0: Welcome to Rethink Your Rules with Jenny Hobbs, M.D., a fresh perspective on relationships, success, and happiness for high-achieving moms. Hey there. It's Jenny. Welcome back to Rethink Your Rules. Today, I'm going to share with you a rule that I rethought after an interaction with my son that I thought was really interesting. And I'm super excited to do more content like this. I'll maybe try to think of some kind of catchy subtitle or, or way to label these on the podcast so you can see. But I, I kind of want to share some examples of things my kids taught me or things that I've learned, life lessons that I've learned from the experience of parenting my kids. Uh, as I've mentioned, my kids are not diverse. They're very smart. They're very independent. They are not always easy kids to raise. However, they also make me think every day. They've made me such a better person, a better doctor. They've shown me a roadmap to loving myself more and having compassion for other people more. And, you know, I I don't, I like the fact that I'm candid and vulnerable and open about the challenges of being a parent. And at the same time, there's so much wisdom that comes from those experiences, even when they're challenging. And I want to be sure to be sharing those with you and sharing with appreciation and love for my kids and what uniquely amazing humans they are. And I want to, you know, bring some of those positive examples to light as well. I also think for many of you who do have kids, these examples can be a really powerful way for you to see the Concepts that I am sharing in action. And, you know, we know that as humans, these stories and analogies are the best way to learn things. So I think that can be really helpful. And, you know, if you're here with me and you're not a parent, I also want you to be able to have these examples because there's some of these lessons that, to be honest, I don't know that I would have ever fully learned or understood if I hadn't gone through the experience of becoming a parent. But I do think that by me sharing them, maybe even if you don't choose that as your path in life, you can still. Use it as a lesson that you may be able to apply, right? It may give you a little bit of an insight into something that you would not otherwise experience. So anyway, um, hopefully we'll be doing more of these things. And sometimes it's gonna be things that my kids say to me and directly and, and make me rethink. And sometimes it's gonna be something that I learned through learning a parenting strategy, right? Or something that my husband and I sort of discovered along the way. So, anyway, this one uh, today I want to talk about is an experience where my son actually said something to me that really made me rethink uh, a core, like a core hidden thought that I'd had like my whole life. So, as I think I've mentioned, we have two dogs. We got them a few months apart, which wasn't the plan. They were both puppies, it was quite crazy. But the first one we got was a mixed rescue dog. So she came up from Texas and, uh, you know, she was sold as like a boxer mix on the website. She's very cute. Um, we ended up getting her DNA tested. There's like almost no boxer in her. <laughs> There's 20 other breeds though. Um, quite the mix of things. And, um, so she is very much a, you know, a mutt or whatever you want to call it. And we did have to pay for her because there's some expenses associated with rescuing. And there were so few dogs at that time. It was, you know, during the pandemic when it was very hard to get dogs, especially up here in the Pacific Northwest. So um, even getting a rescue dog costs a little bit of money. So we got her, she came, she's great. She's a little crazy. Let, let me think back. She's a wonderful dog and she's a lot of work. <laughs> okay. But so anyway, we have her. Her name's Bella. And then we had been on a wait list for a purebred Boston Terrier, which is the types of dogs we've had in the past. We we know we really like that breed. Um, and so as it just turned out, that wait list ended right after we got the rescue dog. And so we suddenly had two puppies. And the second puppy was a purebred Boston Terrier, which cost us, as you can imagine, a lot more money. And it was a lot more difficult to to get him. And his name is Oreo. So we now have two dogs, Bella and Oreo. And my son is very obsessed with dogs. And, um, my son as I think I mentioned has diagnosis of both autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. So he sees the world a little bit differently than other people. And we were talking one day about our dogs, the two dogs, and he was talking about how much he loved them and how wonderful they are. And he said, mom, you know, Bella is a lot more valuable than Oreo, right? Like she's probably a lot more expensive. And I've said, actually, no, it's kind of the opposite. You know, Bella was a rescue dog and she's not a purebred. So, you know, she's, she's kind of less valuable or expensive, you know, and I was trying to be careful not to say that she wasn't as valuable in a larger sense, but he was sort of thinking about costs and money. And he said, well, that's strange because Bella is a lot more unique I said, what? He's like, well, there's no other dog with that exact mix of those 20 breeds in that exact amount. You know, she's very rare and Oreo is like bred just like all the other Boston Terriers. Right. And I thought for a minute and I thought, you know, he's not wrong. <laughs> like that is an interesting way to look at it, right? Without knowing the context of society thinking that, you know, there's a breed standard and that, you know, purebred dogs are, um, you know, better aligned with that idealized standard, right? If you don't know all that context, you would think, you know, maybe she's more unique and therefore more rare and therefore more valuable, right? That's in Charlie's mind, my son's mind without any context of, of those things, that was just what he would have thought, right? And it really made me notice how as a society, we've sort of all agreed on this idea that like being aligning to a certain idealized standard, being, you know, uh, accepted or perfect or looking a certain way, right? We have all these ideas of conformity being better and, or it's either the idea of conformity or this like idealized perfect standard, right? In either case, like we are often thinking we need to fit that. And I noticed that what it really brought up for me was a lot of Awareness of my own insecurities about being different. So, if you haven't seen me, I have red curly hair. I was always different as a kid. I not only did I have the red curly hair, I was, you know, short, I was overweight, I was very pale skinned, I had, you know, freckles and glasses, and um, this really like terrible haircut and my parents didn't really know about fashion or style or anything cool and i just like like i always was sticking out in a bad way is how i felt and i felt like um all i wanted you know was to be like normal and beautiful and like fit into this cultural ideal of of beauty right and also i was like smart but like smart in this like way that stood out right so i was able to read you know full chapter books well before i started kindergarten so they would like single me out to like be the smart kid, often right. So that was again another form of separation, which I'm sure they saw as a positive, and it kind of was. But it also was like I felt again I alienated or different from everyone else. My parents even had I remember uh, this like church songs tape uh, that they would play on trips. And it was like this kids choir from church, and there was literally a line in there that said you could be short, fat, red haired, and freckle faced. <laughs> it doesn't matter. God loves you anyway, which is just terrible if I think about it now, but I still remember thinking, I was like, wait, that's me. And so are they saying that like, you know, only God can love me because I'm so different. And so, you know, not perfect and not in this conformed ideal standard. Right. And, That literally stuck with me my entire life. Like even now I have a very hard time whenever I feel like I'm different. And as you can imagine, I've now discovered I have ADHD and, um, this, all this neurodiversity and all these things I thought I was just not able to do as well as everyone else, or I couldn't fit in with everyone else, or I, you know, I was failing at that. I thought those were personality flaws. And now I'm like, no, I was just wired differently. And, and so it's like, I want to accept myself for being wired differently and being true to that. And there's this part of me that is like, but I don't want to be different. I've never wanted to be different. Different is bad. That's what I've always thought, right? And it's very, very deep and core to me. And so it was really interesting to see my son coming at this from a completely different angle, without all of that, you know, baggage that I had. Um, and to ask myself, like, is that even true? Like, do I even still want to believe that? Do I want to learn to be more like Charlie and embrace how I'm different? And you know, he's he does this in so many ways. He he actively looks for things that are different and unique. And and actually, my husband tends to be more this way as well. Um, and I've had other friends who've who've uniformly sort of valued things that are unique and rare and different. And obviously, as a person with bright red hair, I've, you know, often the you know, like the guys who are interested in dating me or whatever, like they they typically tend to be people who are interested in things that are different, right? Because that's kind of part of being this uh, what does my friend call it, genetic unicorn that I am. But, um, but anyway, I, I just, I really wanted to share that with you because I hear all the time from women who feel like, you know, they can't keep up with this person they see on Facebook or this other mom who seems to have it all together. And they're the only one, or I hear from people who are neurodiverse and they're just crying and struggling with like accepting themselves as being different. And I hear from, you know, I see it happen with kids, right? Of course, kids are so cruel to kids that people that are different. And, I think it's really easy if we're not intentional about it, that we can slip into this automatic belief or this rule that like, that's a problem and that we need to, we need to conform. We need to be the same. And of course it comes from a good place, right? If you think of our primitive brain, our primitive brain is, you know, still has this vestige of being, um, you know, in a tribe of people who had to stick together in community in order to survive, right? Like not being eaten by a, I don't know, whatever tiger, whatever. I always say that. I don't even know what animals were around that were threatening humans back (laughs) in the prehistoric times, but you know what I mean? Like, so your brain is kind of like remembering, wait, like if the crowd, if I don't fit in, if I don't like align with this community, like, I might die. Like on some primitive level, that can be how bad it can feel. Like it can feel that terrible. And so we have to be aware of that. And then just ask ourselves, like, maybe we want to be a little bit more like Charlie. Maybe we want to reframe it as like, this is great. I'm unique. I'm valuable. I have something to offer. My purpose is to be different. Like I am maybe like for me, I, I kind of like have worked on this with myself. Like I was clearly born to be different, right? I mean, there's no, it's not accidental that I look the way I look and I have all these things that are unique. And maybe I'm, muffling and and holding back from like my zone of true genius because I'm trying to fit in and be something I've, I was never meant to be. Right. And if I can practice sitting in that discomfort and trying on a new, you know, rethinking my rule about that and adopting Charlie's rule about that, you know, what could I possibly accomplish? And it's a daily practice for me, but anyway, I, um, I'm going to keep it short. Uh, I always say I'm going to do that, but I actually did it today. So I'm pretty proud of myself. I would love to hear first of all from you if you resonate with this if you feel different if you feel alone if you feel like you're you know you want to fit in and you don't know why if you wonder if gosh like I never feel like I fit in am I neurodiverse do I have ADHD this is my jam uh I am here for you I promise you you're not alone the women I work with are too much moms. Part of being a too much mom is being misunderstood and we can reframe that. We can own it. We can decide that being too much is not a problem. It's a wonderful thing. We can be like Charlie. And um, if you're parenting neurodiverse kids and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what to do with these guys. Also reach out. Like this is my jam. Like we can commiserate on how challenging it is and we can enjoy these beautiful moments of connection with them and we can learn from their unique perspectives that they bring us. Like I'm so grateful that I have this kid, even though he challenges me every day, because he also teaches me every day, and there's a beauty to that too. So, I hope you have a beautiful week. Please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Shoot this to a friend who needs to hear that she's unique and wonderful. I am really trying to grow this podcast and get it out to more people. I just re-launched it onto a different platform where it can be easier to view on places like Spotify. Uh, it's going to be much easier easier for me to reach you with this. So please, please spread the word, help someone. It's free. Why not brighten someone's day with free content? And if you want to take it to the next level, of course I'm here. Oh, and I should mention, please, please, please leave a review. I know it's kind of hard to get in there and clunky, but if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that really, really helps the algorithm. Like just like social media, there's an algorithm with podcasts. So nobody's going to see this this stuff if uh, we don't put in the review. So, you know, Don't say something that's not true. But if this is having even a small impact on you, that is an easy, simple way to uh, help other people and it doesn't take more than 30 seconds. So with that, have a wonderful week and I'll be back next time. Thanks for listening to Rethink Your Rules with Jenny Hobbs, MD. Would you like to learn more about how to apply this to your own life through personalized coaching with Jenny? Visit us on the web at JennyHobbsMD.com to schedule a free consultation. If you found value in what you heard today, please consider subscribing to the podcast and giving us a five-star rating so we can reach even more women like you.